Hi, Ann Pearson here. And before I begin today's episode, I'm excited to tell you about the Paralegal Bootcamp's new three-step roadmap to manage cases like a rock star paralegal. If you're fairly new to litigation, this quick start guide will help you figure out three things that you can be doing to help you better anticipate what the attorney needs before they have to ask for it. It'll help reduce some of those last minute scrambles, especially if you're working for an attorney who's a procrastinator or someone who doesn't always share all of the important case information with you. I put this three-step roadmap into a downloadable PDF for you, and it's completely free. You can get yours on our website at paralegal-bootcamp.com forward slash three steps. Hi there, you're listening to the Paralegals on Fire podcast show where you'll be getting tips and actionable strategies that you can use right now to fast track your paralegal career. I'm your host, Ann Pearson, former paralegal and paralegal manager who left big law in the concrete jungle to start my own company, the Paralegal Bootcamp, where we give online courses that help paralegals make more money, increase their job security, and cut out the learning curve. All right, let's jump right into today's episode. All right, we're back for another episode on the show of our monthly inspiration. So I have a paralegal today with me, Brian Carcady. He's been a paralegal in the legal industry, I should say, about 20 years. He started out as a receptionist, moved on to be an admin assistant, and then a paralegal. And he now works as a commercial and corporate real estate paralegal at an AmLaw 100 firm, Vincent and Elkins in New York City. And it was such a pleasure when we had our initial conversation that I thought, oh boy, I got to get Brian on the show. So Brian is here today to talk to us about what it's like being a paralegal who actually enjoys their work. And hopefully it'll give you some inspiration especially if you're a paralegal who's maybe struggling and thinking, I don't know if this is right for me. I don't know if this paralegal thing is going to be it and maybe give you some tips and actionable strategies like we always do in the show. Well, welcome to the show, Brian. Thank you for having me and a pleasure to be here. Well, so when we initially talked about you coming on the show, one of the things that I remember I recalled writing in my notes that you said to me was, that you have never gotten out of bed not wanting to go to work. So what is it about what you do, either where you work or what you're doing as a paralegal, why you enjoy going into work? I love real estate. I love problem solving. And I love being able to do research. And I feel that being a corporate paralegal and a real estate paralegal allow me to do that because it allows a lot of thinking, a lot of strategizing. In a lot of research in terms of what you have to find to make the client happy. So have you always been in a paralegal job that you enjoyed? Like the whole 20 years, you've never had a paralegal position where you, or even just a position in any type of role in a law firm or anywhere where you just thought, I don't enjoy going into work or I'm not, this isn't a good fit for me? Well, that's kind of... um a double-edged question there, because I have found that through my past experiences, that a majority of the jobs that I've had, I've enjoyed. 
in the majority of the firms I've worked at, I've enjoyed, I still maintain relationships with almost every person that I've come across in the last 20 some odd years of my work. Generally speaking, I've found that during times of me not wanting to get out of bed, or shall I say not wanting to go to work, I've usually had to do a self-check to make sure the reason why that was. And nine times out of 10, it wasn't because of the job. It was because of something I was going through personally at that time. Ah, okay. So tell me a little bit about the self-check. Like what would that involve if if there's someone out there now who's maybe feeling that way? How would they go about doing a self-check to see if it's themselves? Well, I mean, I think that depends on the type of person that you are and what recenters you. For me, that's a lot of baking and a lot of time alone to just think. I find that throwing a piece of dough around on a counter really does wonders when you're thinking. For other people, it might be going for a hike. It's very important to make sure that you have an outlet for decompression. So then that way you can think clearly and center your thoughts. That's some good advice. Yeah. As you were saying that, I was just thinking to myself, it's either for me, it's either going for a walk on the beach or gardening. So I could see baking would definitely be one. Absolutely. And I do a little bit of gardening too. So I mean, whatever helps you to decompress, I would suggest doing that. And then usually the thought process comes right around that time. At least for me, it does. So you go through the self-check, you determine that maybe it's something going on in your life. Then what do you do about it? Is it just a mindset shift that then you don't take it out so much on the job or the people at work? Yeah. For example, like 10 years ago, I was having a really hard time at my office and I was struggling a lot just to come in and like function. And it turns out that it was the end result of a marriage failing on my end. I was taking care of a sick relative and that coupled with work was just overloading me. I ended up taking some time off to kind of regroup myself. And what I ended up doing was finding a job that was a little bit less stressful for the time period of taking care of that sick relative. Oh, good advice. So do you have any specific advice besides the self-check that you could give to someone listening who might not enjoy being a paralegal? And how would they know? How do they know? You would have to find out what makes you tick. If you're in real estate and you enjoy litigation more, then maybe you should become a litigation paralegal. Or in that respect, if you're in litigation and you like working in trusts and estates more, maybe you should look at trying to retrain yourself in trusts and estates. Also, paralegals at law firms, you know, it's not always for them. I mean, there's this built up notion among our community that working in a big law firm means success. And success is different for many different people. Success for you might be working in-house. Success for the person questioning this might be working at a smaller firm as opposed to a big law firm. Success may be working in a title company versus working in a law firm. You just have to figure out what would work best for you. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You know, it could be any of those things or all of those things. And it could even be maybe you like doing litigation, but you'd be better off at a smaller firm. Why don't we go into that if we can? What do you think would be the difference? So you're at a large firm. Are there any particular pros or cons that you can think of, large firm versus small firm, if someone might be struggling with that? Well, I can't really think of a con. It's really going to be suited more towards your person. Like in a larger firm, 
there are a lot of different resources that you can pull from in order to help you do your job. You're part of a bigger team. In a smaller firm, you may be it. So you may be having to do every little bit of that you know, case that you're working on, whereas in a larger firm, you might have the ability to send a document off to a group to have them retype it for you while you're working on something else. Or you might have the ability to call your research department to help you find some case law on something versus you going to your law library or pulling up Lexis or Westlaw on your own. Yeah. And, and I, sometimes money can be a factor as well. Um, large firm versus small firm. It can. It just depends on you know the type of smaller firm that you're going to. I mean, if you're working for a solo practitioner, that's going to be a lot different than working for a boutique law firm that has a couple of major clients that can pay what a major law firm, AM100 law firm, is paying you. In New York City, you see you know, the gamut of different law firms out there that it could be a solo practitioner, it could be two practitioners, it could be a, a mid-level boutique with like 50 lawyers, it could be uh, A&M 100, it could be anything, you know, in between. And all of those come with different pay scales. Yeah. Speaking of that, what I was going to ask, I know that you're in New York City and you're in one of the few states, I think it's just California, New York, there may be a third one I thought I heard of that recently they've put it out there that they're requiring employers to post salary ranges in their job advertisements. Do you think that's a good thing for the paralegal profession? Yes and no. Currently the law, the way I'm reading it is that the law exists only for New York City. It's a New York City nuance. I think the rest of the state has to comply with it. I could be wrong. But I do remember Mayor de Blasio stating that was one of his actionable items right before he left office. I feel that sometimes it's good to know what your salary range might be if you're applying for a job. On the other hand, you know, a lot of these recruiters now, especially when they're calling people because they can't find bodies to fill positions, you know, they'll give you a range. And then that range could be like in between thirty and $50,000 difference. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're not going to even hit that range. You may end up getting offered something lower because maybe your experience level isn't what they're looking for, but they're going to hire you anyway because they need somebody. So tell me, what would be two to three traits that you think you've benefited most from having in terms of your paralegal career? I would say the top two are communication and training. Mm, Two of my favorite. (laughs) Communication, because you always have to try and be on the same page with the partners and the associates and the other paralegals that you're working with. And if you're out of the loop, it's very hard for you to do your job. So then you have to be proactive to be able to speak with them and ask them the questions that you need to know. What, What training is you know, since a lot of a lot of people in my arena who started working in law firms in the late 90s saw the advent of a lot of new technology that I think a lot of us also take for granted a little bit today. When I first started working, we had no internet in the office. We didn't have email. We had a fax. No one had a BlackBerry. No one had an iPhone. I would have to say the phrase diversity, equity, and inclusion wasn't even thought of yet probably back then. It wasn't until the early 2000s when the managing partners at the firm that I worked at the, at the time actually got Blackberries and they were responding while they were in meetings and everyone thought that that was a great thing. 
because you could get a hold of somebody now all the time, which that's a double-edged sword to it for some people. I wouldn't have lasted as long as I have if I didn't constantly train and retrain myself on certain items. If I had stopped training myself when I was a receptionist, or if I had stopped training myself when I was a legal assistant, there would be no way I'd be able to use the technology that I utilize today. It's still the information as well. You know, the information changes, laws change, different forms change. You have to keep up on not on your knowledge base for those changes to benefit your client's best interests. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, uh, obviously, owning a training company. But I really, I tell people, you know, I don't care if you buy my courses or someone else's courses or, you know, go down to the Google rabbit hole or YouTube, but, but get the training. Don't just stop. And every paralegal that I've talked to who has been in the industry for 10, 20 years or so have said the same thing. It is keeping up with the changes in technology and keeping their skills sharp that's got them to where they are. 100% agree. So let me back up, but before we close out, and I want to ask maybe some final, maybe an actionable strategy or tip that you want to share with some of the newer paralegals who might be listening. But I want to back up first because the part where you started as a receptionist. So how did you go from receptionist to admin to paralegal? What what were you doing at that time? Part of it was is that things fell into place at the right time. And the other part of it was is knowing the right people. My mother worked at a law school in upstate New York. She knew a lot of attorneys. One needed help when I was uh, finishing up high school. And I started there. And then from there, you know, the receptionist left. Then I got to be the receptionist. Then flash forward a couple more years working through school and everything like that. I landed a job as a secretary because I could type fast. Then after that, everyone kind of realized my abilities in that firm. And they said, hey, this paralegal is retiring. Why don't you try it out and see how it goes? So it just ended up being like the right place, right time scenario. But they also took that chance because I was actively training myself to do the job. Yeah, I was just going to say that, you know, as much as they recognized it or they took a chance, they don't just take a chance out of the blue. They saw something in you (laughs) that made them want to take that chance. Yes. All right. So in order to give somebody some advice who maybe is just starting out, one of the questions that I like to ask is, if you were starting your paralegal career over today, knowing what you know now, what might you do differently? I might have been a little bit more discerning earlier on in my career about the type of firms that I worked for and maybe have done more homework on their firm culture, the people that worked for them, other than just listening to a recruiter and going in and interviewing and getting the job. I probably would have done a little bit more homework in that respect. Other than that, I would say if I was going to do things completely differently, I would have gone to law school. So tell me the firm culture that I take it you're at a place that has good firm culture and you did some research before going there? Absolutely. When I was looking for my current job, I was very active in researching the people who worked there, the firm culture, what they stood for, types of clients they represented. And I can actually say that I am truly blessed and grateful to work with such a dynamic group of individuals who know what they're doing and are a pleasure to work with day in, day out. That's nice to hear. 
So did you do research um, like on places like Glassdoor? Were there people that you knew? I did some research on Glassdoor. I tried to do it without the subscription. So I only got so far with that. I did, you know, find some Google reviews. I ended up looking at Martindale Hubble of all places to see, you know, the rankings of the attorneys. I talked with a few recruiters. After a certain while of being in the field, especially in one city, you do end up knowing certain people who will probably know the people that you're going to interview with. I mean, even in New York City, the legal community is very small. So people know everybody. I talked to other people. I got glowing reviews all throughout. You know, I work with a very seasoned partner group, both in the New York and Dallas office, who've been doing this long enough to where they know to cut through everything and get right to the point, which I appreciate. And it's also the personalities that you go into the office. Everyone is friendly. You know, the diversity, equity, and inclusion actually was a determining factor for me taking the job where I currently am. When I first started in the legal field, saying that you had a husband would have been a no-no. Oh, yeah. You didn't talk about your personal life at the office at all, especially me. I, I, I did not, just for fear out of being ostracized and let go. Now I'm, I'm in an office where I talk about my husband open and freely, and I have pictures of him out on my desk and on my bookshelf. You know, it's a wonderful thing to see how far the profession itself has come in just that short time uh, span. Well, and so if you don't mind, can I touch on that just a little bit more? Because one of the things that I have heard uh, from some paralegals is that they have a DEI at their firm or they think, you know, the firm has rolled one out and they've put it in their firm manual and on the firm's website and they've maybe got a partner in charge of it or whatever. But in reality, it doesn't work like that. Like they, they don't feel comfortable doing like what you said you've been able to do. Again, that boils down to being able to read your audience and kind of get that feeling when you speak with them uh, in your initial interviews or being able to know where to look for on their website because firms categorize these things differently on their websites. They have um, different ways of rolling these things out. I'm very fortunate enough at Vincent and Elkins that not only is it true and that they work to maintain this sort of relationship with their employees, but it's one of our major initiatives at the firm. Uh, they hire the right people to enact what their policies are. They have committees and subcommittees that meet. They have mentorship programs for associates that make them feel welcomed. I mean, in my group alone, I'm one of a few LGBTQ people in our group. And, you know, it, none of us look at each other and say, oh, that one's gay and that one's straight or this one's this one and that one's that one. It doesn't matter. The firm creates the atmosphere as such that you're happy doing your job and being who you are at the same time. And you don't really have to think about one or the other. That's refreshing. So it's just a team of people getting the work of the firm done to please the clients. Absolutely. All right. So do you have maybe an actionable strategy, something that you could pass along to a new paralegal, maybe whether specific in real estate and corporate or 
just a new paralegal generally who's starting out? Yeah. If you're not enjoying what you're doing at the moment, go for that self-check. However you decide to do that, whether it be retail therapy, cooking, gardening, walking on the beach, decompress and recenter your thoughts. Your mind is actually very powerful, although it sounds cliche. And once you get your thoughts under control, then the rest of everything else will fall into place. I like that. I like it. Thank you. All right. So that's it for this episode for this month's paralegal inspiration episode. Brian, I want to thank you so much for taking your valuable time out to share some inspiration with other paralegals. Oh, it was my pleasure. And thank you so much for having me here. All right, everybody. That's it for this episode. I'll see you next week. Same time, same place. Bye for now. All right. That's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, hit the subscribe button in whatever platform you're listening. And please take a quick minute and leave a review of the podcast and share this episode with just one colleague or friend who you think would benefit from what we discussed today. Share the knowledge and the entire paralegal profession elevates. See you next week. Bye for now.